It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. My question for today is this. What is your concept of the Bible? Some claim the Bible is a collection of myths, or it is full of errors and contradictions. You may want to treat these last two statements as false premises. That is how I would have done it for most of my adult life. But now I suggest a different tactic. They have made a claim, so the burden of proof is on them. Ask them, What do you mean by myth? Or which contradiction do you have in mind? It has been my experience. They really do not know. All they know is that they are repeating what they have heard others like Bertrand Russell, Richard Dawkins, or Bart Ehrman have said. That being the case means their objection is without real merit. And so perhaps the dialogue can turn elsewhere. Of course, if they give their meaning and you can live with that, then ask, how did you come to that conclusion? Let them make their argument. If it were me, I would ask them to clarify what are their premises And what is their conclusion? Then I would ask if they can give warrants for their premises. Try to determine the character of your uh, objector. It's been my experience that an atheist will do anything to win an argument. Jump to a conclusion without proper grounds for an inference or offer a straw man argument, or introduce a fallacy. The existence of a theistic God, the Bible as the Word of God, miracles, especially the resurrection of Jesus, and the deity of Jesus are closely linked in apologetics. They typically stand or fall together. Most of those who do not believe that Christ physically rose from the dead disbelieve for two reasons. They say, one, miracles like that just don't happen. Or two, the Bible is a myth, not history. There's probably no word that causes more confusion in biblical studies than the word myth. That is because myth is used in many different senses by different writers in different fields and genres. G.B. Caird, in his book, The Language and Imagery of the Bible, 
has distinguished nine distinct senses of the word myth. But for my less technical purposes, it is sufficient that I just indicate five different definitions. I have not read Caird's nine senses. First, the literal sense of myth is simply sacred story. This says nothing about its truth, its factuality, its historicity, or not. Just that it is a story and that it is sacred or about sacred things. If it's a story, it may be an invented story. We don't know at this point if it has anything like evidence, history, or facts associated with it. My Random House Dictionary, published in 1967, says, A myth is a traditional or legendary story, or an invented story, or an imaginary or fictitious thing or person, or an unproved collective belief that is accepted uncritically and is used to justify a social institution. I suppose, then, that myth can simply mean something that didn't really happen or something that isn't real, like the Easter Bunny or the Tooth Fairy. Here, myth is contrasted with truth or fact. This is the sense in which many people are concerned about the stories in the Bible, especially the miracle stories. Did they really happen? Or are they only myths, that is, mere fictional human inventions? Notice none of these definitions for myths are complementary. Of course, one should be clear about what constitutes a contradiction. A genuine contradiction occurs when some specific thing is both asserted and denied. That is, a statement A is affirmed, and then its exact opposite is also affirmed. Most alleged biblical contradictions are not of this type. Rather, the contradictions tend to be between the reader's interpretation of one text and his or her interpretation of another text. The proper solution may be to point out that these alleged contradictions may be only apparent because of different contexts of the two texts. They may not actually be affirming and denying the same thing. If the objector raises an apparent contradiction that I cannot handle, I can admit that I don't have enough information to respond at the moment, but promise to get a response to the objector by text or email. Assuming I will be able to demonstrate points one and three of the 12 points that show Christianity is true, then we will know the Bible is the word of God because Jesus, who is God, told us so. Therefore, God is the author of the Bible. In the book, 
Answers to Tough Questions, Skeptics Ask About the Christian Faith, the authors, Josh McDowell and Don Stewart, say in the section on the Bible, quotes, the mere fact that the Bible claims to be the Word of God does not prove that it is such. The difference is that the scriptures contain convincing evidence as being the Word of God. That's found on page 17 of the paperback version of their book. Then on page 35, they say, so far, the findings of archaeology have verified all historical points of the biblical record. Then on page 39, they write, If anyone wishes to know whether or not the God of the Bible exists, one of the strongest reasons he can examine is the very existence of Jewish people. On page 43, they write, The argument from fulfilled prophecy is one of the strongest imaginable. If you want to know more, I highly recommend the book by McDowell and Stewart. Mortimer Adler says, A genuinely great book can be identified when it can be read and read again and yet continues to challenge the reader to grow in wisdom and understanding. That can be found in How to Read a Book by uh, Adler and uh, another author. Kenneth Richard Sample says, As for me, I need great books, especially the greatest book of all. Not only does the Bible supply the ultimate answers to life, but it is often the source and inspiration for other literary masterpieces. That can be found in A World of Difference by Baker Books, written in 2007. The Bible being God's Word means, therefore, it has God's authority. Skeptics and atheists desperately want to deny the Bible's credibility by still clinging to the claim that the Bible contains errors and contradictions. The reason? Because what's at stake is God's authority over their lives, and consequently, their own accountability to Him. If there is a scintilla of an out for an atheist, they become like a drowning man clutching for a straw. God is the Bible's author, Christ is its hero, and truth is its content. Jesus himself attested to the truth of God's word, John 17, verse 17. God spoke the truth, and the truth is what liberates us, John 8, verses 30 to 32. The Apostle Paul wrote that it was the word of truth. The following is a list of six reasons, beyond my argument in the 12 points, why it is intellectually credible to believe the Bible is the Word of God. First, the Bible is uniquely connected to history, 
and thus open to historical investigation. Second, it is supported by extra-biblical historical sources and archaeological evidence. Third, the bibliographical evidence far surpasses all other ancient literary works. Fourth, the Bible presents a singular beginning to all matter, energy, time, and space that matches well with the prevailing views of modern science. Fifth, the Bible appeals to the fulfillment of prophecy and to miracles to substantiate its claims. Sixth, the Bible presents a realistic view of human beings. This is taken from A World of Difference, page 111. Before Jesus came to show us what God is like, humanity only knew God in the negative. God was not caused, not finite, not physical, not material, not tangible, not mortal, not temporal, not confined by space. The incarnation of Jesus established a crucial principle. God is Christ-like. God is more reliably and completely known as he is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the closest encounter with God to be had in this life. In Jesus, we have a tangible portrait of God's heart. In John 17, verse 6, Jesus says he manifested who God really is to the people whom God gave Jesus. In Hebrews 1, 3, Jesus is the exact representation of God's being and nature. In Colossians 1, verse 15, he is the visible image of the invisible God. In Matthew 1, verse 23, he is Emmanuel, God with us. In Mark 10, verse 45, he is the Son of Man who came to give his life as a ransom for many. In Luke 1, verse 69, he is the horn of salvation in the house of David. In the incarnation, Jesus gave us a portrait of God's love. The love of God is like the love of one who lays down his life for his friends. Paul wrote, Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Romans 5.8 The acid proof of Christianity is whether or not Jesus Christ conquered death in the resurrection. What makes life tolerable and what banishes the fear of death is the person of the risen Christ. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave 94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. 
And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave 94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.